Okay, real talk. When did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Like, say I want to see what you're doing and who you're hanging with, and you're not posting about it on your story. I can just stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. Oh, yeah, that's weird. You do that? No, I don't do that. I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages and keep it between friends, and then use that money to buy something at a store with Apple Pay. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Maybe. Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Terms apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. Elizabeth Dutton. Zarin Burnett. I got a question for you. Yes, sir. Do you know what is ridiculous? I do know what is ridiculous. Lay it on me. Uh, lick. What? Lick. What? Lick. Stop saying that. I can't. Uh, remember <laughs> when I was lick? a member when I was telling you about uh, people getting the Heinz 57 tattoos? Oh, yeah. I and do it actually. was oddly in Brazil. Yeah, I do remember this. Uh, well, they've taken their craziness, Heinz, mm-hmm. uh, over to another continent. They can't be stopped. No, they cannot. So Heinz has partnered with a company called Lick. <sighs> okay, go on. And it's I'm a, sure this is going to be fun. We got a ton of these. This is forwarded to us by a ton of people. Oh, so the Elizabeth Army was marching? Oh, yeah, Thank totally. Thank you all. We rise up. Uh, Lick Paint. Uh-huh. It's a paint company. It's a paint company. And so they have a matte paint. I know the, Blick Art Supplies with a B at yeah, the Yeah, they, they drop the B because yeah. they're not Bloods. They're Crips. <laughs> and so they uh, they it's Lick, and they're out of the UK. Uh-huh. Uh, so they spell color C-O-L-O-U-R. Yes. Uh, anyway, they have this matte paint, red HTK 57. It's the Heinz tomato ketchup color. Okay. And so you can paint your walls like uh-huh. that. And that's that's ridiculous. Sure. I'll give it to you. Yeah. And so, you know, ridiculous, gross, what have you. Uh, but I have another. I knew there was more. Non-mashup. Ooh, I'm listening. It's just a really good message that we got on Instagram that was forwarded over to me from Helen W. Uh, she said... Uh, you know, in a past episode, I think it was um, when we were talking about that mail heist, the Plymouth mm-hmm. mail heist, mm-hmm. the Plymouth mail uh, Crime Watch, the yes. show in the UK. She said, I know someone will have said, but sorry, Elizabeth, Crime Watch was canceled by the BBC and half of the UK true crime podcasters are still not over it. <laughs> it is sad. I loved a good crime watch. Sadly, it isn't murder free, but it is ridiculous that one of the presenters of Crime Watch, Jill Dando, was murdered on her doorstep. What? I know. A man was tried and jailed for it, but then it was overturned and her killer has never been caught. 
Right, I don't so mean to I make, just, make light of this, but was her murder then presented on the show that right? she was? That's the, that's, that begs the question. Yeah. And we're not making light no, of it. No, I don't. But I just stole your 1%, so you're not allowed anything in there. <sighs> okay. But yeah, fine. so I, I just thought that was like one of the greatest DMs. That's, like the two-parter. Totally. Uh, I love the inside Well-structured. Yeah. And way to miss your opportunity in your moment, like crime stoppers? Crime watch. Watchers, crime watch. Yeah, crime watch. Like way to miss your moment. Like now true crime's bigger. Like, let's cancel this. Right? Anyway. You'd think that people would be into it. Yeah. Whatever. So in summary, those two things are ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yep. Well, I got one for you if you got a second. Sure. Sit back down. Okay. This one has everything. Uh-oh. I don't know how this man's life is in a movie, Elizabeth. It's an Oscar just waiting to happen. Brad Pitt's people call me. No, for real. I'm for seriously. I couldn't believe it when I read through this guy's life. I was just like huh. page after page. I was like, it's, it was reported in the newspapers. There was stuff in Senate testimony. I was just so, just shocked. Yeah. Elizabeth, over the course of this show, we have talked drug smugglers. Yeah. We've talked hippie drug dealers in oh, Hawaii. Yeah. Uh-huh. We've talked dudes who faked their own deaths. Yeah. We've talked about hypnosis. Yep. We've talked about Pablo Escobar. Yeah. We've talked about the CIA. Uh, sure. We, we've never talked about the Iran-Contra affair, have we? No, but... It's, well, it's ripe for the picking. Mix all of that together and you get this story. You're kidding. This is Ridiculous Crime, a podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heists, and cons. It's always 99% murder-free and 100% ridiculous. You are damn right. Elizabeth. Theron. In his own words, this guy I'm going to tell you about, he described himself as, quote, Well, basically, I'm just a farm boy from Arkansas. There is a story here that is much deeper than it presents itself on the surface. Oh, he says this. And he ain't lying. Whew. Meet Gary Betzner. Hi, Gary. All right. Gary had a rather all-American upbringing. He was raised in the heartland. He was born in the early 40s during the war years. His formative years, this makes it be the 1950s. Mm-hmm. One of those kids raised, you know, like I've talked before, blue jeans, westerns on TV, the whole bit, oh, right? Yeah. Milkman. By the late 1960s, he was in the, his mid-20s. And so at this point, he's joined the military. He's become a pilot in the military. He was one hell of a pilot. While he was in the military, the head of the Top Gun program reportedly told Gary that he was the best pilot he'd ever known. Mm. You know the Top Gun program, right? That's like the, the best pilot in the Navy. Thing? Yes, exactly. Sure. So back home in Hazen, Arkansas, population 1400, Oof. Gary Betzner was what you might call a local celebrity. Oh, I'd say so, Right? Yeah. I mean, the colorful character. Yeah. Now, to pay his bills, what did he do? Well, I told you he'd become a pilot in the military. He comes back home, becomes a crop duster. He loved it. He had thrills and chills. And for, you know, exhibitions on the weekends, he would be a stunt flyer occasionally. Oh, so yeah. he's like a crop duster? Did he want, like... Did he walk around Walmart farting and then leaving <laughs> no, not the aisle? That kind of crop dusting. <laughs> <laughs> like, did he do that professionally? Yeah, no, low flying, high, high passes. Not that kind. <laughs> oh, like the airplane kind. Airplane, yeah. Oh, like I agricultural gotcha. fields coming in gotcha. low and fast. Any or low and slow, actually. For instance, this guy. He was such a good pilot. He could skim the like watering holes and lakes around his hometown of Hazen. And when I mean skim, is he put his waters right on the wheel and kind of just kissed the water mm. with his wheels. That's real difficult because if you catch, it'll pull your, your right oh, into the yeah. water, right? He makes me think of that Stephen Stills song, Treetop Flyer. Yes. I love that song. Very much. Mainly because of the line, don't do business that don't make me smile. <laughs> such <laughs> a, good, a good one. Such a good one. Well, this dude, uh, as good of a pilot as he was, he also had his fair share of near-death experiences. He crashed 11 planes. 
Oh. Yeah. Every, oh. He walked away without a scratch every single you're time. You're kidding. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's like a low-flying, slow crop duster. Yeah. He just, like, lo- jumps out and runs next to it. <laughs> Braces it to the ground. Yeah, totally. So, in 1969, he's out there, you know, single guy, moving around in Hazen, Arkansas. Summer love. Totally. Well, you... Oh, girl, you don't even know. We're two years out of the summer love. And, you know, we're basically in the Okie from Muskogee era of this part of the yeah, country. Yeah, it took a while to flow out there. Yeah, they're they're still, like, hanging on to, like, buzz cuts and, like, rolled up blue jeans. But oh, yeah. He, they did have the moon landing happen in 1969. In July, everyone's all excited. So these people, they have a moon party. He goes to attend it. This His meeting was fortuitous because this night... It becomes the night he meets the love of his life. Or at least for the woman he met, he was the love of her life. Mm. I'll just say that. I mean, okay. she, she says that. I don't want to put words in his mouth. Anyway, sure. Neil Armstrong took one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind, and Sally met Gary. <laughs> they were just like right there. Same <laughs> At a moment. moon party just, well, where she everyone said, just dropped their pants. When she was telling the story, she said, and I quote, there was a boom in the universe. It just shook. So apparently two universal things happened that night. It's incredible. Yeah. She fell in love like Muhammad Ali boxed Elizabeth. I shook up the world. <laughs> anyway, there's one problem. Gary was already married. Oh. Yeah. He, his wife was seven months pregnant. Oh. <laughs> so that didn't stop married Gary from starting a family Sally, with Sally. Sally. Someone's universe got shook. I'm telling you. <laughs> so yeah, the his first wife. wife, Claudia, soon their daughter Polly was born and then married Gary, got a divorce. And he got right with Sally. Gross. And uh, he made an an honest woman out of her, and they started a second family. So Polly had a brother and sister joined their number. They named the boy Travis, named the girl Sarah Lee, mm-hmm. just like the Dutch bakery known for its delicious frozen cakes. Sarah you know that, Lee. like, there's that jingle. Is it nobody doesn't like Sarah Lee or nobody does it like Sarah I'm Lee? I'm so glad you asked. I looked this up. Oh, you did? You're <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> yes. The, the Mandela effect on this, I couldn't remember which it was. I was certain I was <laughs> so right, so I wanted you... to look it up. So No way. Yeah, so the question is... On the line, you'll find it's a debate. Is it nobody does it like Sarah Lee or nobody doesn't like Sarah Lee? Yeah, now, hold on. Which one do you think it is? Which one do I think it is? Yeah, how did you I, hear it? I always thought it was nobody does it like Sarah that's Lee. What I, that's what I always thought. Like, And also, like, the Bond, nobody does it better. Yeah, exactly. It makes it. It makes pound cake so sexy. Yes, yeah. right? It's like Shirley Bassey's singing As about it. As you're walking down the freezer aisle, crop yeah. dusting, <laughs> so sexy looking. Why do you do this to me? <laughs> I don't know. So I, I did, as I told you, I looked up the okay. answer. I found that the uh, according to the frozen cake maker themselves oh, oh, oh. when you hear the full phrasing the jingle catchphrase makes way more sense right so uh-huh. the full actual phrase is everybody doesn't like something but nobody doesn't like sarah lee that's stupid right I don't care about all that because I'm like, dude, they, they, it's nobody does it like Sarah Lee. Yeah, That's exactly. like a Steve McQueen of clean phrasing. Right? It's just like, it's not some weird double negative contradiction. That's exactly, yeah. Everybody doesn't nobody like doesn't, something, but nobody I, doesn't like. I mean, what the hell? It's cake, dude. Dutch. Anyway, Sarah <laughs> Lee is the name of Gary's second daughter. So what is this now twice married father of three? <laughs> little old pancake. Who makes his way as a stunt pilot and a crop duster. What does he do next, Elizabeth? <laughs> I don't know. He goes into business for himself. He started oh. a company called Betzner's Flying Service. The company does well. In fact, it does so well, Elizabeth, in 1976. He's able to sell his company. What is his com- flying service? He does the crop dusting charter flights. But okay. Mostly crop dusting, Got right? It. So he takes the profits <laughs> from that, and he moves his family north. They relocate from Arkansas to... Alaska, north oh, to Alaska. North, north, yeah. yeah. Now, we've both been to Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. You've been to Alaska. I have not. Right. For my edification, Elizabeth, how different is Arkansas from Alaska? 
Uh, I mean, other than the weather, that obviously. Yeah, but are they the similar weather, at all? Is there a culture shock? I think for these it depends people? on where in Alaska. Okay, this is also, by the way, peak hippie commune Alaska, nineteen seventy six. Yeah, I would imagine that there's not too much of a difference. You okay, know, I was thinking kind of rural. It's a lot it's of the rural, same people. You know, the same not, types of people. Yeah, I mean, there's like logging and fishing, and and so it's you know hard work. At, a lot of hard scrabble labor. A yeah. lot, and it, they have a much higher percentage of men than women. Yes. I understand in, in Alaska. Yeah. But so I mean, I've only been to the tourist spots. But okay. You know, if I watched TV, yes. <laughs> I may have watched some sort of Alaskan cop show uh-huh. at some point. Sure. And and really learned a lot about, you know, life in Anchorage. Okay, I just know Northern Exposure, which is really fictional. So I yeah, think that is very not true. accurate. Very true. Anyway, Gary takes his family to Alaska for an opportunity working the oil pipeline business. Because oh, in the seventies that was huge. One. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So he went up there and he tries to go and like bid on like an oil reclamation business, but he he loses out because he doesn't know how to like who to who to like. Uh, he claims bribe. He didn't know how to like work the permit process. He loses his bid, loses a ton of money. So he goes back to what does he he knows Elizabeth. What does he know? Flying, right? But he can't crop dust up there. So meanwhile, so at the same time, I told you it's 1976 peak hippie commune Alaska. So he starts smoking pot. Right. He then starts realizing you know I could help out with this. So he starts uh, flying in loads of whiskey to the rural villagers, and then picking up like you know other stuff and trade money. Then he's like, oh, I could take. Out a you know like a pound of pot to those guys well, does that he becomes a pot smuggler. I would imagine that there's tons of work taking supplies out. Oh too. yeah, definitely, definitely. But there's also a lot of bush pilots doing that. So he had to oh, differentiate so himself. Yeah, so he's like plus a, drugs. Yeah, more costly load. Exactly. Yeah. So meanwhile, he uh, he turns his wife Sally onto pot. So now she loves it too. The little girl from Arkansas is like, oh, this is not. I love this cosmic uh-huh. wacky tabacky. But after the, this. You know, some time passes, he his business starts to go bad with the pot smoking because he loses his pot connect. And Gary finds that he can only fly up there for about six months of the year. Right. So he's really not right. able to make money. So they have to go back home. Family moves back down to the lower 48. They return somewhat defeated to Arkansas, right? They just mm-hmm. keep wanting to get out of Hazen that they can't. But then fate played a hand, Elizabeth. Yeah. Gary was brought low by gout. The pain from the condition was so debilitating, he could no longer fly runs for his drug smuggling clients yeah. and people that he would it like. It messes you know. people up. Oh, totally. So fate played a second hand, Elizabeth, because Gary heard about a treatment for his gout. Something miraculous. Something that would alleviate the pain, the discomfort, and let him work. PCP. The treatment was cocaine. <laughs> close. <laughs> you're, you're very close. It was not angel dust. Wait, cocaine it was Bolivian for marching gout? powder. Yeah, apparently it's uh, actually used because it built it breaks up the uric acids and it, it apparently the chemistry makes some sense. Okay. I don't know. I've never had gout. I've never used cocaine. Nor to treat have it. I. I I used to work with a guy who mm-hmm. had gout. My father has gout. I hear and about it. He it's said horrendous. that. That's why he had to wear flip-flops to work, and yeah. I just think that was a cover for well, wanting to work. Possibly. Yeah, but, whatever. Yeah, anyway, so Gary also liked to drink his cocaine. He didn't snort it. He'd just drop it in some Gatorade. Wait, <laughs> so, what? Yeah. You can drink cocaine? Oh, yeah, as long as you get it into the body. Ugh. So he would, like, just drink it, and then, and boom, Drinking as he said, you're on your way. <laughs> so soon enough, Gary found that he also enjoyed cocaine recreationally. He's like, this isn't just good for my gout. It's good for the Gary. <laughs> so a little while after that, he starts going, you know what? I need to get more cocaine. It's hard to find in Arkansas. Where can I go? to get myself more cocaine. I got a plane. I'm going to fly down to Miami. So he goes down to (laughs) Miami to look to buy cocaine. He's a smart young man. He goes right to the source. He flies down. He decides, maybe I can get into business with the smugglers in Miami. I can, you know... 
scratch a little off for Gary. Treetop flying. Exactly. Year at this point is 1977. This is peak cocaine Cowboys era Miami. Yeah, right? So totally Gary Bessner wants to find himself a place inside that white-lined world, right? So mm-hmm. Gary's like, how could I, a simple country boy from Arkansas, climb the ladder of this here import-export business? <laughs> Pardon me, cocaine man. Yeah, so he manages to find somebody you? who has cocaine, lots of cocaine, and Gary's like, you know what? Let me get a little off that next kilo, Flacco, and... uh <laughs> <laughs> At this, he arranges a coke buy, right? And he, so he's like supposed to go over and like pick up some kilos. At his arranged coke buy, Gary feels that the vibe is off, right? So he's like, "Hey, uh, why don't you test that coke for me? Try it out, muchacho. Let me see if it's any good." <laughs> the coke dealer, he won't do it. Gary's like, "What?" And this is the reason is for this is that the guy is no drug smuggler. So Gary realizes this when he won't do the coke, and then the DEA rushes in, <gasps> and Gary gets busted at his first big coke buy. Oh my god! They're all tell him Blanco sent me. He was popped with seven pounds of cocaine. Seven pounds. Yes, but it was a huge raid that night in Miami. They also busted two Miami Dolphins players who were also <gasps> caught selling cocaine. They were, they were trying to sell a pound of cocaine. It was a mood, Elizabeth. It was a, it was a different time. Yeah, so it was a different, now, hold on. Is that yes. why now, like, do they encourage undercover DEA officers to toot it up and, and take drugs? No, they do not. Oh. <laughs> they do, definitely they do not. At this point, Gary's facing 20 years behind bars. Whew. So Gary gets let out on bail. What's he do now? He skedaddles back to Arkansas. He goes back to his family. Sally, the two to three kids he has. <laughs> Polly with his first wife. <laughs> three to four. Right? It's like, Daddy's home, kids. So back in Arkansas, Gary needs to work. He's got to pay for his lawyers or whatever. He goes back to doing what he knows best. He starts smuggling and he gets busted again. Oh my God. So out on bail, Gary's now facing mandatory sentences, decades in prison, possibly life. So time to get wicked with it, Gary thinks. Gary's like, kids, load up. We're going for a drive. Are there, are there no crops to dust? No, at this point, that won't pay for everything. <laughs> September 18th, 1977, Bessner and his fam left the town of Hazen, Arkansas. They planned to take an outing, just a family excursion. It's Gary, his wife, his daughter, Sarah Lee. Gary's behind the wheel of their family, El Camino, Elizabeth. Oh, you're ki- are you for real? For real, for real. They're it's headed- a car, it's a truck, it's a car, it's a truck, it's an El Camino. <laughs> it's an El Camino. So they were headed to a dairy bar, think like Dairy Queen. Okay. Right? Gary said he was having car trouble. He pulls over the family El Camino on the middle of a country bridge. You know, just imagine like an iron bridge. Bridge, right? Right, right. So he popped the hood, checks the engine, then as if possessed by a spirit or commanded by some unseen force, Gary walked away from the car over to the side of the bridge, and then he leapt over the side <gasps> and plunged down to the rushing waters of the White River, Elizabeth. Oh, no. <laughs> Seeing their husband seemingly just ended his own life, his wife, Sally, burst into tears. Sure. And I don't mean like the wet work. She erupted into hysterics. Uh, yeah, She's of rending at garments, tearing yes. hair. The daughter, Sarah Lee, equally shocked. She's like, hey, nobody does it like Sarah Lee. I would have survived that jump. <laughs> Spoiler alert, he had not leapt to his death. <gasps> Nor had he intentionally ended his life. No, and now I, I'm sure you were wondering, was this one, is this like a sneaky self 1%? No, it was not Elizabeth. You should know better than that. <laughs> I I anyway, know. just so you know, he didn't end his own life. All right. So I will proceed now to make fun of what he did do. Okay. Gary Betzner had just faked his own death and he went the extra mile. His wife was in on it too. Wait, and then she went through the hole. Oh, no. Yeah, they planned the moment. The bridge, the country drive, all of it. In fact, they've been preparing for months. That's how long Gary had been working on hypnotizing his wife. Okay, wait, 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 wait. So (laughs) she was hypnotized? Hypnotized? (laughs) Yes. And so... Was she aware? Okay. Let's I have take a so break. Many questions. <laughs> I got to listen to some ads and get my head Just right. Just cool your mind. Yeah. Let these ads hypnotize oh, me. Oh, thank you. All right. One sec. Back in a flash. Can I rant for a sec? Please. 
Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. As you know, the world can be a dangerous and unpredictable place. With every crime I've studied, I've learned one thing. Your best line of defense is your vigilance and preparation. You don't want to worry. You just want peace of mind. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. For every ridiculous robbery and theft we talk about, it's pretty obvious the crimes could be avoided with a solid security system. A good home security system keeps people prepared and aware. Simply Safe is that system. It was named Best Home Security Systems 2024 by US News and World Report. And it doesn't just protect your home from crime, it also alerts you to fire, floods, and other emergencies. They offer sensors and cameras backed by 24/7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. There are no contracts and there's a 60-day money back guarantee. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. That's simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. There's no safe like Simply Safe. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. All right, Elizabeth, we're back. Yes. Are you cool? Your mind right? Oh, yeah. I think, well, yeah, I'm ready. Okay. So now let's get to the story of the convincing widow. Okay. So as I told you, they took no chances on her having to be convincing to the law enforcement. Sure. Right? So the pair, the couple, Gary and his wife, Sally, they practiced for months at hypnotism. So that way she would be believably acting. She would have to actually believe her husband was dead. So to do that, super intensive hypnotism course, they work out their program. This is for three weeks, twice a day. They're doing all this hypnotism stuff. She's now primed to believe her husband's dead. The way it worked out is like this. Gary would put Sally under, then he would tell her he jumped from a bridge near Hazen, Arkansas. Then he planted a hypnotic suggestion. Sally would believe Gary was dead at the sound of shoes hitting the water. When she heard the shoes hit the water, Sally would be triggered to sob uncontrollably because now her husband was dead. The hypnotism worked so beautifully, so well, that Sally was the one who went and threw Gary's shoes off of the bridge that day. She what? was 100% in on it. She so like self-triggered Knowing herself? her own part in it, when the shoes hit the water, the hypnotism kicked in. When Sally heard Gary's shoes hit that water from the bridge, she burst into tears, sobs uncontrollably, her grief so profound that she was eventually checked into a psychiatric hospital. 
Oh, nice. Yeah. So, so wait, so he never actually jumped. She just threw the no, shoes. No. Meanwhile, Gary never went into the White River. Instead, he climbed into a coordinated getaway truck driven by his good buddy, <laughs> and he took off for his new life on the lamb. He was now dead and loving it. Oh by the God. way, when he was doing the hypnotism course, I, I, I watched a documentary about this. There's an HBO documentary called The Ghost Pilot. And uh-huh. in it, his wife mentions how he also added one other hypnotic suggestion. Uh-oh. He would be the only man to ever give her really satisfying orgasms. He put that in there so for the rest of her time, she wasn't with him. And then he him. abandons her? And then he abandons her. So and when she... she's telling the story, she laughs. So I don't know yeah, what to well, do with huh, that. Huh, what are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. But, like, honestly, like, the fact that she she's like, I believe in you so much, I want you to abandon me <laughs> with these children. <laughs> with these two kids. So that you can run off with the next girl. Arkansas. Yeah. So after a while of believing her husband's dead, Gary contacted Sally. He contacted her by payphone. Oh, is they, it like Ouija board? No, it was part of the plan they'd worked out. It was a payphone one town away. So she would go okay. there once a month. She'd drive over to that town at this prearranged time, and he would call. So huh. I'm kind of guessing that on that first time, he must have had like a post-hypnotic suggestion that he like said on the phone oh, call. And right. all of a sudden like undid everything. I don't know. Because otherwise she'd be shocked as she's... hell that her, phone, her husband's <laughs> on the phone. She's still like zombieing around. Yeah, exactly. She pretty much was because she believed he was dead. That part of her was still wow. going. So he had to undo it i'm assuming we've he talked about hypnosis this. before I oh my god have, i have a really hard time believing that i this do too happens but this works. story made me much more of a believer anyway huh. in the visible pilot sally said quote being in love with a smuggler it gets complicated yeah a little bit well, that's an understatement so <laughs> so gary where is he in all of this where yeah. did he run off onto the when he was on the, the land r-u-n-n-o-f-t gary was in hawaii nice yes i he, mean if you're gonna run oh totally he changed his name to lucas noel harmony like Noel. No, he picked his last name. I thought you'd like this, Elizabeth. He picked his last name from a road sign for Harmony, California. California. I'm familiar. Yes. He says Lucas, it means light. Noel means peace. And Harmony, well, Harmony means harmony. So his right. name means light, peace, harmony. Interesting. Yeah. So by this point, thanks to a stint in California where he got into acid, Gary had switched up his persona <laughs> and he was now a drug advocating hippie guru type living in Hawaii. Gary's so, got it made, yeah, you know, exactly. like new Gary. just leaving the wreckage behind him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, on the run. New, so, new year, new Gary. He contacts his wife and uh, says, you know, Gary says, hey, bring Trab and Sarah Lee, you know, not, don't, not Polly. I didn't tell her I'm alive. So don't bring her, but oh, bring God. Travis and Sarah Lee and uh, fly out, uh, you know, and oh, by the way, tell the kid, hey, good news, dad's not dead. So you got to tell them that too. Kids are like but don't five, tell anyone. by the way, at this yeah. point. Yeah. So he invites them, or five and three. So he invites them to join him in Hawaii. Sally picks Picks up the kids, flees Arkansas. They relocate to go be Gary, and they go to become like new, become Buddhists, right? I'm sorry, that's a typo. Nudists. They became nudists. <laughs> yeah. They, what they, what island were they on? Were they on? I didn't. Oladu? I didn't say. Just said Hawaii. They didn't, huh. I don't know. Curious. They they joined their hippie drug daddy, right? As I told you, quasi nudist, bearded guru guy. Mm-hmm. So the family, they all strip down and like, okay, dad, this is the new lifestyle. I'm so glad you're alive and not dead. Got to be a little bit of a mind. Uh, Bender. Sure. So from Arkansas to Alaska, back to Arkansas, now to Hawaii. The, the, Dad's undead. Zombie the, dad. The, the whatever. Naked, the naked crop duster. Interestingly, Travis, the son, he said that these were the happiest years of their lives. A pot growing nudist hippie family on the lamb in Hawaii. The, yeah, I mean, right? for just a kid, sounds especially idyllic. like most little boys like yeah, to run no, for around naked. Boys, so that's just perfect. Exactly. It's warm enough they can at all times. Right, right. So things eventually don't work out well for the family in Hawaii because yet again, Gary gets busted on drugs. This time, oh. they had been growing pot. He was actually growing it. He wasn't oh, okay. just smuggling this time. He had big plants. Cops show up the house. They've got plants. Yeah. 
They're nudists, right? So they're like, could you put some clothes on? You're coming with us. <laughs> he gets brought in. He's fingerprinted when he's arrested. That's bad. He gets bailed out because it's just a misdemeanor. So before anything can come of the fingerprinting, sure. Gary's like, I'm out. Yeah. Remember the last time you saw Gary? It was. So <laughs> he goes back on the run. No more Hawaii for Sally and the family. She has to take the kids back stateside to Hazen in Arkansas. Why? Why couldn't she stay in Hawaii? I don't think she can make a go of it. So she has her family back there, oh, so I she guess, goes back yeah. to her family. Yeah. Meanwhile, I mean, this is we're you know we're only a couple years past women being able to have credit cards for the first time legally. So Very true. you have to understand the <laughs> options true. were not the same. Well, you know, they're an unconventional bunch. Yeah, no, totally. She could go you know, go unconventional, but yeah. she is, you know, anyway, she's just a girl from a small town, Arkansas. And, and, now she's and under with her hypnosis. smuggler husband. She's got hypnosis yeah. issues. Anyway, meanwhile, Gary, he gets uh, back into drug smuggling and he goes international with it and he's loving it, right? He gets back to his stunt flying days, barrel <laughs> rolling around with heavy loads of pot flying low between trees to avoid DEA agents and radar. Loving it, right? Yeah. It's everything he loves. He's crop dusting, but more fun. His hand, he would have this handheld radar. He could see where the spots of radar were and would fly between the bubbles. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, amazing fun. For, you know, just He's down there just inches from splashes of waves. I mean, for yeah. a guy, he's basically a grown-up boy with a drug problem. It's, <laughs> anyway, 1982 rolls around. He meets up with a speedboat racer, similar mentality, named George Morales. I mean, okay, What's your job? Oh, speedboat racer. Yeah, international speedboat racer. It's what cool. do you do? So all around good time guy, there Morales. Are, excuse me, yes. but there are fewer international speedboat racers than there are marine biologists. <laughs> there are. That's probably That's true. That's an even, yeah. So Morales, he was connected to the Medellin cartel. Uh-oh. The Medellin cartel is a.k.a. Pablo Escobar's cartel. Hippo man. So boom, just like that, Gary is suddenly moving heavyweight for the narco version of the Capo de Tutte Capo. Right. Yeah. Being the pilot he is, Gary gets in good with the Medellin cartel. He becomes a <laughs> smuggler, daredevil that they love. He starts flying bigger and bigger loads of drugs between Colombia and Florida. Things are going really well for Gary. He's made it to the top of the heap for smugglers. Yeah. So Gary <laughs> top of con- the heap. He contacts Sally. He's like, baby, I got good news. I'm working for Pablo Escobar. Oh, so he has the fam relocate <laughs> to Coconut Grove, Florida. Oh, According God. to Sally at this point, Gary now lived like Scarface. Now, what do I mean by he lived like Scarface? <sighs> well, Sally and her two kids, Travis and Sarah Lee, they show up in Florida. And Gary attempts to fold them into his new lifestyle, Elizabeth. Oh, boy. This would be difficult because, and I'm talking about the cocaine or the drug cartel. No, that would I, make I it difficult for most. Suspicions. But Sally arrived with her kids. She found that Gary was living with another woman. Yeah, okay. A pattern with yes. Gary. <laughs> Gary didn't Sally, think this would be a problem. Sally, if Gary did this for you, he will do it for another woman. <laughs> exactly. Can't stress that enough. He wanted them to start a polyamorous relationship. She's like, hey, I, this <sighs> word hasn't been coined yet, but do you want to become a thruple? And so... <laughs> You know, she was like, ooh, so no, I'm from Hazen, Arkansas. I'm not into this. And Gary's right. like, okay, cool, cool. Then we'll stay here in the master suite. You and the kids can be down there in the kids' room. And he put them in these little rooms. Anyway, terrible guy. Okay. Right? Fun moment for Sally. So she's like, she stays in Florida. You're, she stays in this arrangement. Me. She doesn't leave. So she, she stays with Lucas Noel Harmony. She leaves Hawaii. Light, light peace Harmony. She yes. had the opportunity to live in Hawaii. Yes, uh-huh. And instead, she's uh-huh. going to go in co- and like... Coconut Grove, Florida. Oh my God! In a in a, a non functioning thruple. Like we we keep it clean on this show, <laughs> yes. language wise. Yes. But I just like what I would say to him in that moment, uh-huh. or if I could insert myself in that scene and yes. say to her, yes, like smack some sense into mm-hmm. her. Show up with a cab fully paid for. Here, get you right to the airport. Well, I got good news. By <sighs> 1983, so Sally had enough. She took Travis and Sarah Lee, and she bounced out of Miami. She even said, I have had enough. So yeah. okay, it's a direct quote. So, <laughs> the wild part is how, that Sally still says that Gary is the love of her life to this day. No matter, no matter all of this, if you ask her. It's the hypnosis. <laughs> she says you just she's got too crazy She's still hypnotized. For me. <laughs> 
<laughs> She'll never know pleasure again, but no. she's still hypnotized. Exactly. Good. Poor woman. Good so, night. Oh, yeah. Pablo Escobar. So oh, Pablo yeah, Escobar and the Medellin cartel. To hear him tell it, Gary Bessner and Pablo Escobar, they became tight homies. Like, mm. real tight. They had, like, simpatico wor- views of the world. Sure. Like, I am number one. Everybody number two. Right? So <laughs> Pablo. Yeah, basically. He uh, he knew all about his uh, Gary's real life, his family. Now, at this point, remember, he's going by Lucas Harmony, right? Yeah. Lucas Noel Harmony. Lucas with the lid off. Yeah. So Pablo. Pablo often asked him how Sally, Travis, and Sarah Lee were doing. What? Yeah. So those poor kids, right? They have the most famous <laughs> Pablo, cocaine smuggler in all of human regards, history kid. is asking about them. Now, he knows them by name. The reason That's he, a little scary. He's like, are they doing their homework? Are they good kids? No, but he did this because their dad had been killing it in the cocaine game. So he'd sent people to find out about this guy. And he discovered that he'd faked his death. He found the real family. And then he had the people go up and talk to his family in public. Sure. Take pictures of him and come back and go and show him the photos. Oh, yeah, because then now you'll never step out of line. Yeah, exactly. Unless so, you're Gary. He's a Gary at this point. He's got five different identities. He's working with Pablo Escobar. He's making $200,000 per load that he's flying into the U.S., right? So five loads, a <sighs> million dollars. He's smuggling loads that are usually about 400 pounds of cocaine. So he keeps wanting to push the loads limits, right? He's like, oh, Pablo, we got to go bigger, bigger. Let's get a 747. He's like, Gary, are you sure, right? (laughs) Slow down. The director of the documentary, The Invisible Pilot, right, Phil Lott, he told the New York Post, Gary tells this great story of purchasing planes and he created Pablo Escobar's Air Force. And it was several planes, big planes, not just single engine, twin engines. These were jets. So all moral judgments aside. And that's a huge (laughs) mountain we're moving to the side right now. Plane shopping with Pablo Escobar must have been fun. (laughs) Well, the idea that he has like all this whole fleet. Yeah, you know. Can you imagine it? It's just you and Pablo, and you go on a test flight with like a possible new coke smuggling beauty, and you're like. (laughs) Now, rather than to talk about this, Elizabeth, let's just be about it. Okay. Elizabeth, I'd like you to close your eyes. As a close. And picture it. You are 10,000 feet off the ground. Uh-oh. You're flying. You, you're not like Superman, though. More like Wonder Woman, as in you are inside of a plane. But not an invisible plane like Wonder Woman. You are aboard a private plane. There is a pilot and a co-pilot, and you are in the passenger section of this private plane. Seated on a couch, sipping out a cocktail, is Pablo Escobar. You are the private flight attendant. Oh, God. The small plane is Learjet comfortable, well-appointed. You have just prepared a fresh round of drinks served on a silver tray. You hate your new job. <laughs> you promised yourself you'd stop taking these random jobs, but you're doing a favor for a friend. They said one charter flight. Cool, cool. And you said, sure, sounds fun. Now you're in it. Yeah, and cool, anyway, cool, cool. the pilot of the plane, he gets up from the controls. He turns it over to the co-pilot. He comes back and joins you and Pablo Escobar. You offer a drink to the pilot, Gary Betzner. He takes it almost Wait, I graciously. Wait, a drink to the pilot? He asks, you like the view? You assume he's being flirtatious, but he means it literally. And also he's talking to Pablo. And so Pablo is focused on, he's looking out the window. So you look too. Below you is this beautiful, lush green valley in the Colombian landscape. It's like a wrinkle between the mountains. It looks kind of like Hawaii, just more of everything. More leaves, more bushes, more trees. The valley is just a chaos of shades of green. The sky above, crystalline blue. The clouds above you, and then in, in the distance, they are thick, puffy. Looks like rain's coming. Pablo says, este es Colombia, my friend. Now, Gary nods and he agrees, uh, Colombia. And now uh, Pablo looks back from the window. You hand him his refreshed drink. The ice clinks in the cut crystal glass. 
Come sit, Pablo tells you. He pats the seat next to him on the couch. You're a little leery, but you put down the silver tray and you sit with Pablo on the couch. Across the tiny coffee table, on his own love seat, Gary takes a sip and says, This is a great man. Do you know who he is? Wait, if, is who's flying the plane? The co-pilot. Oh, okay. You do not know who this is. This is Pablo Escobar. He will be the next president of Colombia. He is a great humanitarian. Pablo <laughs> smiles at the praise. You wonder what the point is. Gary continues, This man, he gives the world cocaine. Give is a generous word for what Pablo Escobar does, but you pertly nod. You're polite. Gary goes on. What he does is a holy thing. The service he has performed for mankind. And gout. Gary sniffs a little, and that's when it all clicks into place. He's zooted on the coca. Yeah. Pablo nods. He's seemingly understanding what's being said about him. He interrupts to talk more about planes. Lucas, he says, because he knows him as Lucas. You have convinced me, the Learjet. This is the way to go for us, my business. I want to buy five of these. Now, Gary is geek. That's what I'm talking about, Pablo. Oh, he turns back to you. This man, my friend here, he is a legend, and rightly so. I would sing his praises to anyone, to you, not only as a smuggler, but as a human being. Oh, wow. Now, Pablo, he winces at the word smuggler. Pablo looks at you for reaction. You tell him, uh, that pays well, I imagine. <laughs> now, Gary has brought out a small glass vial of cocaine and attempts to discreetly do a little bit more. Pablo looks disappointed. He asks, can the co-pilot land this plane? <laughs> Now, Gary snorts a bump of coke off his hand and promises, Oh, sure, yeah, no problem. He's crashed more planes than you've bought, Pablo. This does not make Pablo Escobar feel better. It doesn't make you feel better. You just wonder, how do I end up in these situations? Yeah, how do I end up in these situations? Now, as fun as that all was for you and for him, right? Gary eventually grew tired of his cocaine smuggling days, Elizabeth. And probably that was as a result, as I told you, the Colombian showing up at Sally's house unannounced and taking pictures of his children yeah. and showing them to him. Okay. So old Lucas Noel Harmon, he's like, I need to get out. And I probably need to save my family too. So Gary plans his exit from the cartel. That's not easy. It's a little bit tricky because the problem is you know too much. Yeah, exactly. Gary, he still thought he could pull this off. Oh, I can get oh, out. Gary. I'm Gary Betzner oh, or Lucas with the lid off. <laughs> now, he's like, I'll just tell Pablo I want two weeks notice. No, wait, I will tell Pablo a month. He's trying to figure out what does he tell Pablo? <laughs> two and, weeks notice. So his retirement plans were hastened when Florida cops busted a runner who was picking up a load from him at a local airport. Gary lost a whole plane load <gasps> of Pablo Escobar's drugs. All right. So he's lucky to, to survive and stay free. So he's like, I got to get out. He sees the writing on the wall. He's yeah. like, and I quote, it was too risky. I packed my bags and locked the door and left. He cuts and runs, right? He went back to where he felt safe. Hawaii. He's out there among the nudists, okay. which if you think about it, it's pretty smart. Really damn hard to hide a gun if you're naked. True. So if you see, you see Pablo's men coming for you, they're yeah, going to be the ones with like, clothes on. Sounds about slacks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Looking all clean. <laughs> so Gary had at this point escaped cartels successfully. He'd escaped the Florida police, escaped the U.S. government. He's free. He's in a true paradise on earth. Hawaii. What does Gary Betzner do next, Elizabeth? Crop dust. He goes back to Miami. Why? Three months after he escaped Florida with his life. Why? Why would he do Why? this? Why? He was out. Well, the answer is very simple. His old boss and buddy, George Morales. After his friend, oh, the, ra the speedboat racer. Speedboat racer, okay. right? He owned an aviation firm, and he had hired Gary to be one of his pilots. So his friend gets busted. Uh -huh. Morales contacted Gary and begged him to fly one last load. Oh, it's always one, oh, it's always one last job. <laughs> now, Morales, he didn't want Gary to fly coke into America. Not this time. Not this time, Elizabeth. This time he wanted Gary to fly a load into El Salvador. Oh. It was, he was running weapons for a group called the Contras. That's what I was <laughs> Morales said it had to be Gary because he was the best pilot of the 30 pilots he had working in his fleet. Gary recalled, I didn't want to do it, but I love and trusted George. He took me in when I was, well, like an orphan. 
So he thinks about the bond between men who call themselves outlaws and he makes up his mind. Gary, he's explained it. He said, in our business, your word is your bond. Not to his wife, but to his business partner, his word is his bond. <laughs> no, Gary Betzner, he, he's at this point working for Pablo Escobar, soon to be working for the CIA, running guns to the Contras. Oh he's God. a conspiracy theorist wet oh, dream. completely. So Morales, he promised his old buddy that even if he got caught this time, he could lean on his CIA contacts to get Gary out of his legal trouble with any feds or any smuggling issues, whatever came up. He was confident because... By working with the CIA, Morales had been able to give about $4 million to $5 million to the Contras from drug profits. Now, oh. the Contras and the, and the Narcos, they were natural allies, Elizabeth, yeah. because in the world, the flow of world events, they were both virulent anti-communists. That yeah. was enough for them to have a bond and with Reagan. So they all just became a triangle. Yeah, and pals. so Gary is in business with Pablo Escobar, the Contras, the CIA, as he would later testify in the U.S. Senate. It's strictly a capitalist movement, this drug business. Oh, God. Anyway. Setting history aside for just one moment, in 1984, Gary Betzner was busted yet again. He was flying coke for Pablo Escobar's cartel, and he got caught in Florida. Booyah! <laughs> Suddenly, Gary Betzner is no longer dead. He's now alive. He's all over the news. He's in, also in federal custody. His family now has to deal with the fact that Gary's been suddenly found alive. His yeah. wife lied about this. She's still in the small town, so... Everybody in the town now knows the truth. You know what hell that would be. Yeah, in that, that small of a town. Yes. Ooh, we. And Gary is still at this point counting on his CIA connections to keep him out of trouble. And he was wrong. Oh, no. There was no such immunity in place. Gary Bessner was tried, convicted, and sentenced to 27 years and two months in federal prison on charges of cocaine importation. Yikes. It didn't take long for Gary to realize, I do not like it in here, Elizabeth. <laughs> so he wanted out. Uh, what's he going to do? He had a plan. Crop dusting. Let's take a break, do some little ads, and next up we'll tell you a helicopter escape attempt from federal prison and enter Senator John Kerry. Ooh. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Oh, 
Okay, Elizabeth, okay, where sir. were we? Uh, drugs. That's right, federal prison. <laughs> the big house, the slammer, the yeah. stir, the who's gal. Yeah, the FCI. Yes. Uh, what is it? F- was it felony? Felony University? No. I don't know. Anyway, Bessner's inside. He doesn't like it. Yeah. So he gets his wife to work on the outside to help get him free. Baby, baby, if you just help me break out of prison this time, I swear, I'll I'll make it right for us. (laughs) He's hypnotizing her again. October 9th, 1986, the UPI headline reads, FBI foils escape attempt. Oh, boy. As the story reports, Dateline, Miami. Two convicts who chartered a helicopter to pluck them from a prison yard were surprised when the chopper's passengers included three FBI agents, the FBI said <laughs> Thursday. <laughs> the chopper's intended passengers were Gary Morales and his new prison buddy, a 30-year-old uh, fellow smuggler named Terry G. Brasino. Terry. Yeah. Now, the story goes, quote, the two men ran to the middle of the football field at MCC and stood beneath the helicopter, which was hovering 20 feet above the field. Now, these two men. Gary and his buddy Terry. <laughs> Gary, Gary and Terry. Terry. Yeah. They gaze up at the underside of the chopper like it's the face of freedom, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, the face grimaces at them because Gary noticed, and I quote, they both suddenly realized the helicopter was occupied by three FBI agents and they were immediately taken into custody by other FBI agents and prison personnel on the ground. Wait, how did he know they were FBI looking at, I mean, they had like dark suits. They had the FBI jackets oh, they had on. They look like <laughs> FBI. So according to UPI, the two were arrested, quote, at, 7.35 p.m. Wednesday on the football field at Metropolitan Correctional Center and charged with attempted escape and conspiracy, said William E. Walls, special FBI agent in charge of the Miami office. Anyway, my favorite detail about all this story yeah. is, quote, on Monday, Betzner's wife in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, gave undercover FBI agents a 1984 BMW worth about $40,000 as a down payment for the escape, the complaint said. If you want to know, the BMW 633. Oh, it's, oh, interesting. So the prison officials had been listening in on the phone calls. The pilot was also completely connected to the FBI. He was a sheriff. So they were just like flipping through the paper they're and just saw like, like a helicopter tour service. And they're like, beep, beep, beep. Oh, I don't know how they tried to. Co- like, they, you have a collect call. Somebody from contacted MCC. them. They're like, I'm trying to get out. And they talked to somebody. And then somebody was like, I think whoever the first person they talked to in prison ratted them out. And then they connected uh, yeah. them with like a sheriff. And the sheriff's like, yeah, I'm, a, I'm your guy. Right. But I like to imagine it that they called collect from the prison to the charter service. Yeah, and then we're like, yeah, my then my wife's gonna pay you, and she shows up and is like, here, will you take? Do you take car? Do you take silver bullion? Do you accept car? How, how about eighty four BMWs? <laughs> you so, have a collect call from <laughs> totally. He gets busted, and this is at this point we're in nineteen eighty six. Okay, a year later, nineteen eighty seven, Sally goes to visit Gary in prison after presumably helping him try to escape. She discovers that Gary was married to a new woman, a woman named Cynthia, and they Wait. had a son, a boy named William. Now, the news stories only ever said his wife. I don't know which wife. The love of his life wife, Sally, or his new wife, Cynthia. They don't mention by name. Huh. Yeah. So, anyway, bad news. When did he pick up this new wife? I don't know. I don't even know how. Real quick on his way to jail. Like, he was like, he saw her, like, on the prison bus. Like, he was on his way in. He waved, put up his number. Yeah. Anyway, the next year, 87, Gary Bessner finds himself to be the star of one of the most bizarre moments in U.S. political history, a time known as the Iran Contra Affair. Oh, God. Now, the Iran Contra Affair, if you remember that, loads of guns uh, that Gary had been running to El Salvador for George Morales, that one last load. Yeah. There were other loads, apparently. That wasn't the only load. And during the the one run of contraband, Gary was met at a rural out of the way airport by an American named. Chris, whom he understood to be a CIA agent, right? Now, to make sense of all this, for the let's turn to the congressional record and uh, enter Senator John Kerry. But, but actually, you know what? Before that, a quick little history. Who were the Contras? 
And what was the Iran-Contra affair? Before I dive into it, like, I'll just tell you, I'll keep it very mercifully brief. Okay. The Contras, they were counter-revolutionaries in Nicaragua. The Contras were le- uh, less on a singular organized rebel army energy. They were more, it's like an umbrella term that referred to yeah. all of the, the disparate groups who wanted to undo the Sandinistas. Now, turning to Brown University, quote, the Contras were disparate groups comprised former National Guardsmen, ex-Sandinista soldiers critical of the new regime, peasants, farmers upset with intrusive Sandinista land policies, Nicaraguan exiles, including former guardsmen and members of the conservative party, gathered in El Salvador, Honduras, Guatemala, and Miami and discussed the prospect of both unarmed and armed opposition to the Sandinistas. Now, the Sandinistas were the socialists, they were revolutionaries. Yeah. They had been closely aligned with Cuba, Panama, Venezuela, and then via and them, the, clash. the Soviet Union. So they took power in January 1979, and that scared the hell out of the anti-communists in the U.S. Yeah. Meanwhile, what else was going on in 1978 and 1979 in the world, Elizabeth? In the Middle East region, there was, was a little thing called the Iranian say. Revolution. That say. also scared the hell out of many of the right. same people back in the West. So they right. said, how do we get this chocolate and this peanut butter together? <laughs> CIA is like, oh, we got a plan. So the CIA, they get involved in thwarting both of these growing threats to the American hegemony. CIA, they just kind of swirled it together like a chocolate and vanilla ice cream. And they mixed their black book funds together. And they started sending missiles to Iranian revolutionaries that were paid for with cocaine profits from Colombia that were then circulated to the Nicaraguan counter-revolutionaries, usually as arms and weapons. Okay. Weird triangle. So 1980, Ronald Reagan gets elected. Things start getting anti-communist real quick. Yeah. He loved to talk about the evil empire, as you probably recall. He was damn sure he wasn't going to let any communism spread in Central America. So he says, CIA, have at it. He gives them the green flag, money, whatever they need. CIA starts spending the beginning half of the 80s working with narco-traffickers to fund the Contras. They're going to win this war with cocaine. So they use the drug profits from the Contras. They send that but over to Israel to buy basically their own missiles, but to pay Israel to give them to Iran through second-party vendors. It's a whole thing, right? Yeah. October 5th, 1986, a plane loaded with contraband for the Contras gets shot down. An Americanism on board. This becomes undeniable physical evidence of American involvement. We, meanwhile, Congress had passed a law. We could not be involved in this. Yeah. President Reagan's like, nah, son, you got your facts mixed up. I don't even know this dude. He don't know me. What are you talking about? Nothing comes of this shot-down American. But the Contra story, it won't go away. Later, the same month, another shipment of American missiles transported once again via Israeli channels. It gets sent to Iran, intended for Iran's war against the Soviet-backed neighbor, Iraq. Now, Iran had paid $3.6 million to a CIA front company. The money was turned over to CIA officials who supplied the missiles. The CIA took their money from the Iran missile deal and diverted it through black market funds to the Contras in Nicaragua. Presumably, this money would be used to fight communism, right? But it usually went to the aid of narco-traffickers, folks like Pablo Escobar. So, November 1986, two Lebanese newspapers break this story. And then that was it. It's all over American TV. Investigative reporters jump on it. It's the new Watergate. The Washington Post finds George Morales, who's in prison. They hear the story about this guy, so they find him. And then George Morales tells them about his pilot, Gary Bessner. He's got to talk to Gary. He'll corroborate what I say. Suddenly, this whole new Watergate has all these threads to pull on, and people started yanking Elizabeth. Oh, yeah. You remember Iran-Contra hearings? I do. I was, you know, I was young. Yeah. And, I, mean, uh, I just remember it took forever. It took forever, and I remember it being very convoluted. And of course, I at the time, quite... forever was like four hours. So right. For me, whatever. And I didn't quite follow it. Yes. You know, but like I diff- said, I was very young. Mm-hmm. and like Very convoluted. I, Ollie North. Uh-huh. Ollie North, Fawn Hall. Know. I just Hall. remember. Fawn, oh, God, Fawn Hall. Yeah. I do remember, too. Like, I used to have, when I was young, I had a pin on, mm-hmm. like, my jacket or whatever that said, 
I survived the Reagan administration. <laughs> if you're wondering how obnoxious I was, did as you a have child, ERA? Yes, too. Probably, but like honestly, like what what was I doing? Yeah, who knows? Yeah, who knows? But you're, it was probably you came with one of your tote bags from your subscriptions to the New Yorker. Like or, legit, I did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so also, there was another big name in this. Uh, There's Colonel Oliver North. Yeah. Senator John Kerry really made his name during this. Other than obviously what he done with the My Lai Massacre stuff as sure. a, as a soldier, but as a senator, this is where he makes his name in a lot of ways. He's on the national news all the time, and at the center of all of this is Gary Betzner. Now, we've talked about Gary Betzner. Imagine adding this figure to this yeah, chaos. Yeah, this little naked crop duster. Yeah, you ready to talk, Gary? This is oh. the last thing that the CIA wanted <laughs> at all, right? <laughs> Somehow, Gary makes it safely to the Capitol, and he's able to testify before the Senate on April 7th, 1988. Other are witnesses are disappearing real? throughout this time. People are dropping oh, yeah. dead from overdoses. It's bad. Yeah. So at one point, Gary recalled for Senator Kerry the excitement of his smuggling days and how he'd once had to employ evasive maneuvers to avoid two DEA planes chasing him. He's like, I went between the condominiums and flew down along the waterway. And Gary managed to sneak in like a landing at a nearby airport. John Kerry is loving this, right? He had another one. He's telling him a similar like hard luck story at the other end of a smuggling run. One time he was flying a plane that had been painted military green. He was flying at low to avoid radar. He was low on fuel and he was loaded down with cocaine. He took a zigzag path over Cuban airspace. That triggered a response from the Cuban Air Force. They sent up two MiG-19s to shoot him down. Oh, you're kidding. He had to perform epic barrel rolls, disappeared behind a cloud bank and he emerged from the thick cloud bank and dropped into this mountain valley and used the high valley walls as cover. He's literally doing like, you know, the Top Gun type flying that we just saw. Yeah, so... That scrape with the Cuban Air Force, it convinces him to get a transponder code so he could alert the Cubans that he's going to be flying over the airspace. That's, he just makes a little just change. Heads like, up, yeah, fellas. Hey, guys, can I buy one of those transponders? Here's a million dollars. They're like, okay, senior. So now I don't know uh, if you know this, but Senator John Kerry is a pilot. So he was yeah. loving all. He keeps asking question after question, and people are like, Senator, should we talk yeah, about the Iran Contra? He's like, moral issues aside. Yeah, well, let's get back to the Iran Contra. <laughs> so in an LA Times story from April 8th, 1988, with the headline, Gave Contras $4 million, drug smuggler testifies. It detailed uh, Morales and Gary Betzner's stunning testimony before Senator John Kerry's subcommittee. And I quote, Senator John Kerry said that the testimony before the Foreign Relations Subcommittee he heads make, quote, makes it very clear that narcotics dollars were involved in the Contra support process. He also said the testimony indicates that the Reagan administration officials turned their back on drug trafficking in the interest of pressing their support of the Contras guerrilla war against Nicaragua's Sandinista government. So he basically connected that the CIA was doing all the stuff yeah. you, you hear about. He's the one who's like, oh, yeah, here it is. It was CIA him. doing the cocaine with the Contras and the Iran and the missiles. Yeah, here it is. Gary. Yeah, I'm, I'm at the center of all of it. I flew that stuff. I'm Gary. No, exactly. Call me Gary. This is my buddy George. So they both testified, George and Gary. They testified before the, the Senate commissions. Morales testified that using his fleet of planes, his pilots delivered contraband from 1984 through 85. He arranged six flights to landing strips in remote locations in Costa Rica. In particular, this one landing strip that was adjacent to a ranch owned by this mystery American farmer named John Hull. Now, the huh. details are like a real-life spy movie. We got Iranian like Iranian missile deals and yeah. narco-traffickers and a mysterious American farmer. It's starring Matt Damon. <laughs> totally, right? So his best pilot, Gary Betzner, he corroborated his old buddy's testimony. He testified that he indeed flew in loads of weapons to John Hull's landing strip in Costa Rica. In exchange, he'd fly out with duffel bags of cocaine. So oh, Morales was brought in by the CIA 
in the Contras. He brings in his hippie pilot, Gary Besner. Gary was operating under the assumption he was protected by CIA handlers. So he tells that to John Kerry in Senate testimony. <gasps> Gary tells Senator Kerry that he believed Morales, quote, had made a deal with the CIA to supply the Contras. He wanted me to fly guns and ammunition to the Contras and bring some contraband back. So he's like, this is what I was told. Yeah. So Gary tells you know Senator Kerry that he'd also met the CIA mystery American John Hull on multiple occasions. He'd personally given him guns. He gave him some M60 machine guns, those big daddies. He gave him some M16 rifles as as well as C4 explosives, landmines. The landmines were of particular interest because they used them to mine the harbors and it became a big story in the yeah. news when ships were going down. So he's like, oh yeah, I delivered those exact mines. Oh my God. All of it for exchange for cocaine. It was great. And they were like, what? And he's like, yeah, hand over small arms. They gave me 15 to 17 duffel bags of cocaine. <laughs> God. Now, Elizabeth, in 1980s America, the nation was shocked. Shocked to hear this. Yes, so a little they, bit. We may not be so shocked now, but they were shocked. Oh, yeah. So Gary told Senator Kerry with a straight face he'd smuggled cocaine to safeguard the future of America. And I quote, somewhere inside of me, I have a deep appreciation of my country, its history, the Constitution, and what it stands for. It still moves my soul. <laughs> no, none of his testimony helped lessen his sentence. Perhaps he was telling the truth. I don't know. But Gary Betzner never got any protection from the CIA. He served out his full prison sentence. He was finally set free in 2011. He's still alive today. Oh, hey, Gary. As I said, he recently starred in the HBO documentary, The Invisible Pilot. I okay. recommend it. If you, it's actually a three-part series. Okay, yeah. Now, Gary has remarried, in case you were wondering how his love life is doing. Oh, boy. He has a fifth wife. Her name is Julie. They live in what seems to be her mother's basement. Uh, a typical night for them, according to Gary, is I usually sit there. Julie sits over here. She smokes cigarettes and uh, I smoke weed. Oh, that's yeah. Great. So, eighty-year-old Gary smoking weed he, in the basement he, in Arkansas. Does he have a ch- a new child named Marie Calendar? <laughs> no. If, like me, you were still thinking about Gary's poor kids. Yeah, I was. Sally spoke to this. She said in the documentary, The Mother, you know, there's so many stories about crazy smugglers, but they never talk about the women in the family. They never talk about those that were left behind who really carried the weight. Okay, now she only alluded to the kids. She didn't actually mention them. Uh I guess there's your answer. The kids still came second, even in her imagination, (laughs) right? Always, these people. I'll say this. If you ever hear this, Travis and Sarah Lee, I feel for y'all. Oh, completely. Y'all got a raw deal. I just hope you can laugh at this with us because if you can, okay, look, I'll put it this way. You can pick your nose. You can pick a guitar. But you can't pick your family. <laughs> so you just have to endure them gracefully. They're the heroes in yeah, this. I hope you're all in a good place. Like, I really do. I feel yeah, no, like. honestly. So there you go, Elizabeth. The outlaw folk ballad Amazing. of Gary Betzner. Amazing. And did this story have everything? I mean, do you remember when Gary hypnotized his wife to fake her own death? That's that what was I so just, long ago. That was like four years ago. Uh, yeah, so what's I'm your ridiculous away. takeaway? My ridiculous takeaway is one... Uh, if you if you wind up having to go to Hawaii, just stay in Hawaii. Like, <laughs> you know, it, although don't don't you know impose on on local culture. But yes, come yeah. on, like yes. you're there. You like, got there. Stay you there. Got no roots. Uh, and then I think too. Um, I still don't believe the hypnosis thing. And is she still hypnotized? That's I don't. My, you'd have to ask Sally. Yeah, Zarin. What's your ridiculous takeaway? Oh, my God. I know. Thank you for asking. So no, uh, mine was actually yours, so I'm just going to take it back. Okay. Hypnotism. That yeah. stuff's wild, What's right? Up What's that? up with that? What's up with that? What's up What's with that? What's up with that? So <laughs> I guess it really works. I mean, this is like- I suppose. For those who believe it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You I think that's the in. key aspect. When I was doing research, I was like seeing different people do hypnotism and like- you know that they can like get people to like put their like bodies on chairs and then they go up and stand on people and stuff to prove that they're like stiff as a board or you know stiff, uh, stiff as steel or whatever. Uh-huh. So I've seen I saw a bunch of people do some wild stuff and they were just convinced. So I think it's 
just purely if you can convince a person, I don't think they can go fa- a lot further be- than they would ever think possible. Yeah, but even if I believed it, I don't think my body would no. be like, yeah, let's go planking. Like, no. Th- that's my point is that I think that it's it's you may break something, you may rip, <laughs> you know, like you may never walk again. But I think for those seven seconds, you would You're do it. You're doing it, and then your body oh. would collapse or okay. whatever. But yeah, okay. that's what I was blown away by. Yeah. The power of suggestion. Yeah. And you know who benefits? Gary Betzner. Oh, Gary. <laughs> this is our world. Put some clothes on. Gary. Anyway, that's all I got for you. I hope it's you beautiful. enjoyed it. Beautiful. As always, you can find us online at Ridiculous Crime, Twitter, Instagram. I don't know. Look around. We have a website, ridiculouscrime.com. Uh, There's another place to find us. Oh, also the iHeart Talkbacks. You can find us there. Yeah. We like it when you give us talkbacks. Yeah. We like it when you call us Big Daddy. Uh-huh. Now, email us if you want at ridiculouscrime at gmail.com. Yeah, sure. As always, thanks for listening. Catch you next round. Ridiculous Crime is hosted by Elizabeth Dutton and Zaren Burnett. Produced and edited by the Pablo Escobar to our Gary Betzner, Dave Houston. Research is by Marissa Peace Light Harmony Brown and Andrea Harmony Peace Light Song Sharpened Tear. Our theme song is by Thomas Mayday Lee and Travis Crash Dutton. The host wardrobe provided by Botany 500. Executive producers are Ben. You are now hypnotized, Bolin and Noel. Wait, what happened to Ben? Where did he go? Brown. Ridiculous Crime. Say it one more time. Ridiculous Crime. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.